everyone. Welcome to another episode of Comics and Kaijus. Your usual host, Matt, is away from us today, but I will be taking the reins for him for this episode as your host, Austin, and I am joined by the always lovely, the man with the plan is back again, Cameron. What is up, my friend? Not much, man. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Oh, wonderful Sunday evening, just right after the wonderful Halloween season. Getting some uh, good weather. Yeah. Oh, man, it's finally that time of year, the wonderful time of fall. I love it, love it. Yeah. Well, uh, glad to have you back, man. How, yeah. how was uh, how was your uh, your little reenactment last weekend? Did it go well? Yes, it was, it was very nice. Well, it, it was fun, but it was also miserable as shit. Um, it <laughs> rained all day Saturday, so by oh. the end of the day, I was just completely soaked and covered in sand. Uh, the chafing was unimaginable. <laughs> hey, uh, you wanted a war reenactment, so you're getting the whole shebang. I got the full experience, and it sucked. <laughs> um, but it, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, well, that's good, man. It's glad to yeah. have. We're glad to have you back. Unfortunately, we're missing the whole crew again. Another episode. We're yeah. still missing the full set of boys. But next weekend, we should be back and having everyone back together again. But this week, yeah. I think you and me ought to take a crack at it. Yeah, I, I think that'd be pretty good. Um, so as we go into our episode, we got to start with our slice of life to see how everyone's been doing in the world. So, Cameron, my man. How have things been? Other than your very chafing experience in reenacting <laughs> war, how's how's life um, been, man? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, there was a brief period of mourning. We had to put our family dog down the other week. Oh man, um, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. It was yeah, it was it sucked. Uh, Thirteen years old, uh, boxer. Oh. Uh, that's, we, that's old she, for a boxer. She, that's that's pretty damn old for a boxer. But she was she very energetic. She wasn't like physically, you know, like ill. Didn't show any like yeah. She wasn't. She didn't seem in pain, which it, that made it hurt a little bit more. Yeah. But the reason why we had to put her down was she started to get a really big lump on her side, and it got it got really big. Oh no. Um, and we, we took her to the vet and they were like, yeah, she's got cancer like everywhere. Oh no, um, poor baby. Yes. She, we always, we, at a certain point in her life, we started to call her lumpy cause she's had bumps and lumps <laughs> everywhere. But the one that popped up, it was, it was bad and it was bleeding and it was, it, it was getting nasty. And we were like this, oh. we have to put her down. Yeah. Might as well put her down while she's still happy, you know, and she's not in pain yeah. and not have to get to that point where it's like. Well, it's awful to see her like in pain. Yeah, you got to do what's right for her. So she's not in you no. Know, so she's not suffering. But hey, you know, our hearts go out to you and your family. And you know, yeah, condolences, man. Condolences yeah, it sure. was it, it. It hurt for probably a good week. Um, It still sucks. I, I mean, losing any family pet sucks. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, did you have her as a puppy? Did you have her as like? Three no, we actually no, we rescued her um, from the pound. She was probably oh, maybe yeah. who, four, five years old. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Hey man, I almost every remember. single one of my pets have been rescues, and man, they've been some of the best dogs oh, she, and pets the, I've ever had. 
she was the best dog, man. She was one of those dogs where she never wanted to leave the family. Like, well, yeah, we she would, was all connected we had, to y'all. Yeah, all we had to do is she, she never, like, disobeyed us in any way. She never begged for food, not, like, people food. Yeah. Um, and whenever she had to go out, we would just, like, open the door, let her out, close the door. We'd do our own thing, and she'd just come right back up to the door and wait for us. We'd open it and be like, all right, that's it. <laughs> Well, she, she sounds very, like she was a sweetheart. Yeah, very obedient and very loving. Um, we gave her the best life that we could have given her. Absolutely. Um, I can imagine so. Yeah, and uh, also, I'm just going to put this out there for people who may have to put their dog down at some point. Um, what we did is we did it in-home. In you know, we had someone come to our house and do it there. I, I don't recommend putting your dog down at, like, the vet because it's scary for them. Um, and it puts a lot of stress. Um, and always be with your dog, too, when, you know, you're putting them down. Oh, yeah, if, for sure. If you, if, you, if you leave the room because you don't want to be upset about it, you got to think about what your dog's feeling. They're probably terrified. They're like, where's where's my owner? Where's, where's my master? My yeah. Where's my family? And they don't want you don't want them to feel that before they go. Yeah. Um, Hey, everybody, so, make sure you take care of your pets. They're family, too, folks. Yeah. They'll love you forever. If you treat them right, they'll love you forever. Exactly. Well, man, I'm sorry to hear about that, but... Yeah, sorry to, start, to, sorry to start <laughs> off the episode on such a depressing-ass note, hey, but... It, that's a it's a big porch that's what slice slice of life is about it's not always yeah. sunshine and rainbows we got to talk about no. every nook and cranny in in life so other than that has have things been going well for you man other than yeah you know, yeah that? um yeah it's been so far it's been very good um work same as usual um halloween was great uh went to a party uh for the first couple hours of trick-or-treating, I stayed at home um, and greeted the kids that came up to the house. Uh, you, first, well, here's the most important point. What did you dress up as? What was your costume? Ah, uh, Jason Voorhees from uh, Jason Lives. Oh, part six. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, Wonderful. part six. That is, uh, number, that is like number two for me. Number two favorite. I love yes, that it's, 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 that's probably my favorite uh, Friday the 13th film. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a that, whole that conversation. Four. Yeah, part four is my diehard favorite. It's just to me, yeah. it is a complete Friday the 13th movie from the beginning oh, to yeah. the end. It is like there's no it, it to me. I feel like that is the essence of what the film was trying to be. They captured it. They put it there. They put it in a jar and yes. they put it out into the world. I think it was yeah, definitely. And then part six is just so much fun. There's just no well, part way six, not to have fun. There's something about part six. It's It doesn't take itself incredibly seriously. Um, yeah. it, it, it gives you some like cheese factor just enough. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of an old, like 1930s, like chiller, like Dracula or Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. I, exactly. I don't know. There's something, there's something about it where it's just like, I could pop it on like late at night and I'll just enjoy it. Oh, it's absolutely. Just, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites and I had a ton of fun watching it and I watch it anytime I get a chance to. And I got to meet CJ oh, yeah. Graham, so getting to meet that guy he, who was Jason, he is a wonderful human being. Yeah, I got to meet him too. He's a great dude. Uh, Absolutely. Big as hell. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, I, I met, a big boy. I got to meet him when he was starting to grow out that beard for the Vengeance fan film. Oh, yeah. 
he he's very intimidating. He's still very buff. Did you get to get a picture with him in his costume? Mm, yes, I did. I got like a group photo. It wasn't like a group photo with other Jasons. It was just him. And it yeah. was me and uh shout out to my boy, uh, Marino Lupo. Uh, he, uh, him and I, we, uh, we got together and he was like, Hey, I have an extra photo ticket. Do you want to join in? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I got to get a picture with him one-on-one when he came to a local convention. And ironically, I was like the last one to take that photo with him. So like, you can tell he was like, he was tired from taking pictures with everybody and oh, yeah. I walked up to him and it was funny because I I still I have the printed photo that he signed and I have my PDF file that they sent me. <laughs> and, and I walked up to him, you know, and I, like, I was just starstruck as hell at this point. because I'm like, oh, my God, it's like actually Jason dressed up as Jason. Like, what the yeah. hell? So I'm like super geeked out at this point. And I just simply told him, you know, I was just like, you know, like, hey, if you want to like, you know, really get in there, you know, I'm all for it. And I could hear him just like take one deep breath and then just smacked my throat with his hand and like this is a He's, big man so his hand is all all those <laughs> horror uh actors creatures they're the nicest people you will ever meet oh yeah the, you I, it's usually like you would think like oh the person who plays a superhero is like this such cool dude in person in reality they're a total cunt yeah they're and very it's, the, it's the people that play the most evil fucked up person <laughs> that they're the nicest people to meet oh yeah I, there's some it's weird oh yeah no cj was great he like i mean dude he bear clawed my throat and like lifted me up <laughs> a little bit and i'm just like eh! and they're just like all right yeah. smile and i just kind of tried to turn my head and instead i just gave a thumbs up like i'm not dead. actually <laughs> i did get i did get another uh photo op with him it was at monster mania con uh i think it was 2018 in the spring when they were doing that huge uh i'm just gonna call it like the jason fest where oh i remember when that happened i wanted to go to yeah that i was i was i was one of those fucking bastards that paid uh 300 some dollars for the uh for the big the, photo op and all that the big the big photo op of you all of the uh, actors asshole. all you the actors in their costume i'm telling you what man <laughs> when you turn the corner to like go into the room it's very intimidating to see a bunch of fucking guys over six feet tall in hockey masks and machetes. It's actually quite terrifying. You just walk in, my little five, six ass will just walk in there and be like, yeah, like this is the greatest day ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck off. Uh, balloon I, I just, I, I just turned the corner and my eyes got so fucking big. I'm like, holy <laughs> fucking shit, this is happening. Well, I had a uh, I had a wonderful Halloween too. I went as a uh, Rob Zombie's Michael Myers this year. Oh, okay. And yeah, I uh, I had a blast in a glass. Had I scared? I made two people cry. So I say I did a good job. Hey, listen, uh, listen. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, but see, I I'm not one of those people that makes someone cry I, and then you know just lets them live life i immediately took my mask off and showed them like i'm not trying to hurt nobody but i felt bad because like one of them was like a little girl and she didn't i was trying to scare the woman (laughs) the woman came and asked me will you scare my two teenage daughters are terrified of michael those were my targets she was collateral she got caught caught in the crossfire (laughs) oh no like poor sweetheart like i brought her candy and took my mask off and showed her i was okay 
it, you know, I'm not going to hurt nobody. I felt bad, oh, but no. you know, it was all in good fun. But Halloween was a blast. The neighborhood that I went down, man, they, it was a party down there. <laughs> I loved every second of it. But yeah, I, uh, I got to scare a couple people. Um, I see, cause I used to work at, um, one of those haunted attractions. Um, okay. Uh, it sucks though. We are, uh, the place got canceled. Um, yeah, probably due to they, COVID. They shut huh? it down. No, no, no. They, they got shut down. Um, oh. There was some stuff, some icky stuff that happened behind. Ooh. Nothing bad on our end. It was with the VFW. Um, oh, there was gotcha, some shit. gotcha. They, they, they wanted some new management, and the the person that was running the 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 haunt found out about it, and she wasn't Ooh. happy, and they tried to get her out, and it was it was just a mess. Eh, but anyway, when when we do those kinds of things where you're working at the haunt, I never break ter- break character. I, oh, I, me too. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care how badly your child is crying. I'm gonna scare the living shit out of them. That's oh, why I'm yeah. here. Oh yeah, um, no, I I was in character the entire time through through my experience. Even when we walked down the street, I was in character. When I had people walk up, I had people okay. think I was fake three times. They thought I was an animatronic because I was <laughs> that's, not. That's move. the best part. Oh, yeah. When they thought I was fake and then I would move, the best scare I had all night was this dad was telling his kid to walk up and try to grab the bowl out of my hand. And he (laughs) finally worked up the nerve to come and grab it out of my hand. But I was looking out of the side of my eye and I was following him the whole time. And then he finally (laughs) walked up to me. He thought I wasn't looking and he grabbed that that bucket I had and tried to pull on it. And I snatched his wrist. Oh my goodness, that 12-year-old kid turned into a 3-year-old girl real fast. Oh my god. Let out the 12-year-old squee and dropped his glove that I had a hold of and he just ran. Oh my god. <laughs> his dad awesome. was his dad was laughing the whole time and came up and like <laughs> told me he's like, "Man, you're doing great out here." And I said, I had, "That's what uh, it's about." I had one kid, uh, it was this kid and uh his I think brother and sister uh, and their mom and dad, and they, they, the, the, he was pretty ballsy about it. He was like, "Oh yeah, whatever." He's like, "He's pretty scary though," and his dad's like, "Oh yeah," well, he's going on about it. And he, the kid's like, "I bet his machete isn't even real." And I just looked at him, and I just swiped it on the ground and made the metal slicing noise, and he chased <laughs> the kid into the street. Are you sure about that? I'm like, bet, motherfucker. <laughs> Well, I'm glad to hear that Halloween went well on both ends for us. So Yeah, Halloween Halloween's my favorite time of year. So. Same here, my man, same here. Always will be my favorite. But let's get on yes. into the meat of our segment today yes. and our film that we have chosen since we were trying to stick with a a horror theme for Halloween. Yeah, it, that was, that was a It's hard. That was a, Yeah, it was hard to choose a a, a giant monster film that's like genuinely supposed to be terrifying specifically Um, a kaiju film because there's a difference between big monster and kaiju it's hard to deter the two we could have done like a 1950s you know like mutation like the the tarantula or them or yeah something along those lines but i think the giant claw yeah i think we had a good pick because to uh For today's episode, what we decided to go with is we decided to take a crack at 2008's film Cloverfield 
directed by Matt Reeves and produced surprisingly by J.J. Abrams, which at the time of me seeing this had no idea. He was, but Yeah, he was quite a small. He was, he was this was before J.J. got real big into cracking heads in the production world. Fuck yeah, he's, he's making it big now. Absolutely. I, I think it, it really was a testament to how big J.J. was really going to turn out to be. And I know a lot of people may not have liked this film, specifically on the premise of the fact that it is a found footage film, which a lot of people yeah, really aren't a fan I, of. And I like am one you, of those people where I... Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not really yeah. a fan of found footage. Um, I, I don't... It's not like it's... I'm not saying that, oh, you shouldn't be able to film using a found footage medium. Um, I believe it can work. Um, but the majority of films out there, they just, it, it got stale so fast. It did. It, and I, it, and I think it, that's due to Blair Witch Project. It, it Blair Witch, Blair Witch was like the big thing that shot found footage into stardom and it did it it, it it just got so bad so quick it was it's it really blair witch project was a was a trendsetter and same the mm-hmm. same way scream was a trendsetter in the 90s it was a big trendsetter to be found footage or be meta so when the found footage yeah. movies started getting popular blair witch came out i think what like 97 or in the early 2000s this came out in 08 mm-hmm. so there probably hadn't been a found footage in a hot minute and Cloverfield came out and kind of brought a different perspective on it. It was like telling a story while also being a monster movie, which was interesting. Yeah, I I believe, cause, yeah, because Blair Witch came out and that the found footage thing was quite a new uh, form of film uh, filmmaking in the sense that it became it was it was the first ever I think that got really popular. Oh, for sure it was. Um, and and then it kind of like went away and then Cloverfield came out and it kind of like brought it back and everybody's like, I want to make a found footage film. And then it just got it got really poopy. Really it quick. really did. <laughs> it got blown out of proportion. But I mean, hey, we this was a, a good take. I love how the Cloverfield creature, he seemed very Lovecraftian. Which was really yes, interesting. Very Lovecraftian, especially um, with like the little uh, the little things that come off of it and start yeah, attacking like people. Like, he's got like oh. I guess they're kind of like fleas or like parasites. Yeah, almost like a like ticks on a dog or fleas on a dog. It's it, it was it was things. creepy, man. Especially when you had that uh, when they started later in the film to get into like the underground tunnels and they started getting attacked by them. Yeah, Those things, yeah, yeah. Whew, that gets a bit rough, man. They, that's that's some actual horror right there. And that's what kind of caught me off guard when I first saw this film, because when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a disaster film where they're running from a giant monster. Kind of like how 2014's Godzilla kind of yeah. wanted to be, where you didn't really get a yeah, good that, look at everything. Yeah, that's – see, it's funny, Cloverfield. You saw more of the Cloverfield monster, I think. In that in this film, than you ever saw Godzilla. True. Um, I'm not talking like actual screen time. I'm talking like you overall. You get to see more of a monster. picture. Yeah, you see, yeah, because you. I think there's a shot where they're in the heli. Yeah, they're 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 in the helicopter and they're looking down and you see the whole monster, and you see it very clearly. Yeah, and it's not like with t- 2014's Godzilla where 
they show the monster and it's like covered in clouds and dust and it's like every, I want to see the monster every time in 2014's Godzilla I would just sit there and look at it and I'd just be like damn turn on a light bro I want to see it, big boy <laughs> it's like yeah, you can't that, see anything there was, there was quite a couple times like when I was I was a fanboy, you know, I was still oh, same. very I'm I'm still very passionate about Godzilla and stuff, but when I the younger I get I was, like the more like insane I was about it. Oh, I was hyped um, as hell about so, seeing that film, man. There ain't no doubt yeah, about that. I remember seeing it in theaters and I was I was losing my fucking mind. Same. Um because it was the first Godzilla movie I'd I'd ever see in theaters and it was such a it was that such was, a treat. That was my second. I saw Godzilla 2000 in theaters. When Godzilla 2000 oh. came out, there was a very limited release in American theaters, and I luckily yes. lived by one that was uh, showing it, and I went to the the opening night of it. Yeah, I couldn't see that because uh, what the, I don't even know exactly. It was very it select out. theaters. It, it did not very many of them showed up. Because I was born that year, so I couldn't really see anything. And if we did see it, I probably don't remember it. Back in my day, Godzilla 2000 was on the big picture show. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I got to say that this movie definitely did a good job with bringing this. Uh, I guess you can consider this monster a kaiju giant monster destroying a city. He fits the bill. I would say yeah. that, like... I counted as a kaiju. I counted um, that way, too. The, I've, the, I've always counted the Cloverfield monster as a kaiju. Absolutely. And honestly, usually what we like to do is we like to really talk about, you know, who does the special effects on what, this, that, and the other. And the typical kaiju movies yeah. that we cover back in the Toho era, you usually have, like, there's, like, three or four people that are overall doing all this. But this mm -hmm. movie here had an entire crew for both segments both segments there was a special effects crew handling the practicals and then there was an entire visual crew for the cgi for the rest of it so yeah there's I mean, a lot of people working on this absolutely we'd spend like half the show just naming people if we went down that list so yeah I, I, you just gotta hand it out to these people man like they really made that feel like it was happening. They did a very good yeah, job. They did a great job. They did a great job. I think they um, did. They the, the design for the creature when they brought it to life, they really made it feel like it was there. You know, the destruction felt real, especially when you got to the the parasites, which they still are just uh, to me. The they, parasites look great. The parasites, they remind me a lot of uh the uh, the bugs from Starship Troopers. I was just gonna say that they do, <laughs> especially with like the big like pointy claw they the, mouths they have. Yeah, they got the huge mouth and everything. Which yeah, we are that's gonna what it reminds man. Me. We we have to cover that at least once because my goodness, I love that movie with a fiery passion. It's, it's, it's such a good film. <laughs> it's such a meta it. movie, and I love it so much. Oh, it's great. I love it. But I gotta say, um, like uh, the cast here, the only name that really sticks out to me is T.J. Miller. But the rest of like the yeah. main cast, it's really they're very lower named actors that I feel like they really got a good break because this movie did fairly well for all things considered. Yeah, because I I haven't I don't know any of these people besides T.J. Miller. Um, I don't know of anything else that they're in. Yeah, um, I mean, same here. I've seen T.J. Miller in other things, but I have. Yeah, like it's nothing you know super significant. Yeah, like he was in he was in Deadpool and everything, but yeah. 
I, none, uh, none of these other guys. Another little interesting note that we we can add to this film that is different, especially different than what we usually do, because, you know, the wonderful scorings of our usual kaiju movies that we love and know of the Godzilla era. This movie, from what I could find in research, has no score. But it is a found footage film, which, I mean, how do you score something that's supposed there, to there, be found there. footage? Yeah, there. I think there's, like, ambient sounds in it, you know? Um but I don't really count this as a score. No, that's not. It's kind of. It's just kind. It's kind of like atmospheric sounds, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's it. Not taking anything away from the sound crew that I imagine worked on this to make these. Sounds oh no, I bet they did a great job. Oh, they did a wonderful um, job with getting the sound design for this. The sound design is different than a score, everyone. Which we will give credit to the sound crew who made that. But as far as the score, this doesn't really technically have a quote unquote score of music that would carry yeah, the film. And and film uh, I mean uh and music can make or break a film. Absolutely. Um the f- music is a, an integral part of a a movie and to not include any soundtrack um is pretty ballsy. Uh to me if you, you have see- to you have to know <clears throat> you have to know what you're doing in terms of atmosphere and other kinds of like you know cinematography yeah. uh, and other kinds of sound work you know like the atmosphere i mean if you want to um, see a better example of a, a, a score can make or break a film i always point it back to the same thing again and again and again anytime someone brings that into an account is the 1978 halloween john carpenter scored that film and he made that film the score yeah if i if i remember if if i remember correctly he did like te- like screenings like test showings um and it didn't do well it didn't do too well and there was i think it was some lady he showed it to uh i forget her name i saw it in a documentary like two years ago i can't remember but she was like hey if you pro- put like more sound like more music into it i bet it would do better and he did some working around and he came up with the famous uh halloween theme and it, he tried showing it again to test audiences and he killed it oh yeah the the score made the film and he continues with now with the halloween 2018 i find that's one of the best scores of recent horror and then halloween i i like is coming up so i imagine it's gonna be just as good <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think him and his son worked on the soundtrack. They for did Halloween. It, I think that was really cool, and I hope they I loved. Do the uh, same thing. I I love the I forget the name of the uh, the actual soundtrack or actual song. Is it the one, the one where uh, Michael sees what's her face Lori's granddaughter? Yeah, 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 and it's like the droning sound. Yeah, it's that. Uh, what they did is they had like a like a an actual like electric guitar and they took yeah, the violin yeah. string and they ran it across it and it made that just electric it's guitar. Fucking, it, it's so it's, good. It's, it's fucking evil, dude, and I love it. Like just seeing Michael and seeing that like hearing that score go by, you're just like, oh shit. It's, it's awesome. I love it. Oh I love yeah, it so for much. sure. I got so giddy about that when I first heard it in theaters. <laughs> but um, uh beyond Yeah, that, back to the Beyond not having a score, I was also very surprised to see that this film was produced and distributed by Bad Robot, which... That's the, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Is it? The last time I heard of Bad Robot was, like, Lost. That was the last time I had heard about anything. They, they were very 
prominent in the 2000s. Yes, very um, much so. I remember, I remember, because I have a lot of DVDs from when I was a kid, and they were in, like, some animated stuff. Um, and they, were, they, they were just very prominent in the 2000s, and then when the 2010s came around, they kind of just, like, slowly started to fade out of existence, and you don't really hear them much anymore. Yeah. Well, it's just at, it's least, a, at least from the films I've seen, I haven't seen them in anything. It's the product of the times. They the films that they made at that time were very good in what they what their company was specializing in. But the way films have evolved in nowadays, it's a bit off putting of their style, which doesn't make them a bad company. It just means they really haven't found their stride in the nowadays era of movie making, which is yeah. nothing wrong. Um, yeah, no, but. I mean, this film was released in on January eighteenth of two thousand eight. Which, my God, that's that's twelve years ago. Hey, <laughs> uh, I was a, I was a seven year old little rat. That's oh, that's a time, long time ago. Are you kidding me? Time's going too fast. I uh, I don't like that. I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. God damn, I don't care. Sorry. <laughs> I I got I got stuff about the election and I don't I just I don't care. I don't hey, care. That's life, man. But with a runtime of 85 minutes produced here in the good old US of A, this movie's budget was 25 mil, which is a lot bigger of a of a, you know, pecking point that we usually see with our Toho Yeah, films for a lot of <laughs> we go through. Uh but man, in all rights and reserves, this movie made a killing at the box office. It made its money yes. back tenfold. Yes, they they stomped on that. <laughs> and I got to say, I got to say I want to give it a shout out especially to that uh to the trailer team, I think they were the reason this movie did so well because they didn't show the creature at all. I do remember. I remember seeing the trailer on the early days of YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember, I think my, maybe my mom showed it to me, um, or either that, or I stumbled across it on YouTube and I was hooked. Oh yeah. Um, it sells, like, it this, sells you the movie. It does, because you, you want to see the monster. You really want to see the monster. The only way you're going to see it, they, you got to no, see it. No, they tease you. They tease you. They bait you into it, and it's, yep. they do such a great if job. If you want to see the monster, you got to go see the film. And that's where they got everybody, and that's what made it so special. So yeah. got to give them credit where credit's due. So I actually I actually remember, because I'm such a Godzilla fanboy. Um, I remember seeing the poster for it. Yeah, me and too. It was, it was, it. They didn't sh tell you the title, I believe. I think it was just like this: the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, missing with the its head. Head ripped off. Yeah, and that was it. They didn't tell you the title or anything. And I was like, "It's a Godzilla. It has to be." That's Godzilla. what I thought too. I'm like, "Oh, it's a Godzilla. Who else could it be? <laughs> Who else could it be?" And I, I would, I wanted to believe so badly that it was Godzilla, but it, it never came true. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, I had to wait quite a few more years to see Godzilla in the just a smidge on the big longer. screen. So, moving on to like the film itself, uh, we have our movie. That movie opens on a like a real lovey dovey video recording of two couples that apparently have a falling out of some shape or form. A lot of uh, human drama getting shoved into it. But, yeah, it's very natural. You know, they're yeah. at a party and they're just enjoying themselves. Kind of like how we do nowadays where we're at a party, we're doing Snapchat or TikToks, whatever. Yeah, it's it's a it's a natural integration of just talking and hanging out and then just suddenly tragedy hits. But what I love the most about everything is that we see little hints of things that it's like shit's going bad, like 
in the background. But you got to really nitpick the film to see yeah. where yeah, those things are going. If you look hard enough, you'll be like, oh, shit's getting fucking whack in the back there. It's like, oh, but I love you, Lisa. I love you, Lisa. The world is on fire on the southwest side. Lisa. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, no, the west side is on fire. So, you know, you have these little things, and that's what I love. I enjoy films that hide more impactful moments in the back and then when it does hit you know it's like some people be like oh well this came out of nowhere but if you're paying attention you're just like oh this has just been passively going on and then now it's finally coming to a a bulkhead you know it's actually physically happening um but when it does man is it such a shock you know it feels very visceral and real you know power goes out you just hear noises in the distance and then everyone just goes out in the street and wondering what's going on. And then the fucking Statue of Liberty's head just comes <laughs> sliding across the road. Fucking gets yeeted into the street. And then I swear, I think they're just like, oh, it's the Russians. It's like, what did the, the what? <laughs> How the fuck did they do that? Bro, Pacific Rim's got a few more years to come out. This ain't now. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> but, you know, that was such an impactful, like... This movie's not pulling punches. There's no heroic, like, oh, things will be fine after this. Like, no, absolutely not. This no, you see the Statue of Liberty get fucking decapitated, and you're like, this isn't going to end well, is it? He's <laughs> like, oh, no, this is this is bad. And then, you know, you get the action sequences are coming through, bobbing and weaving in and out, in and out of action. Uh, they have things happening here and there, and then suddenly the military shows up, and then they start really getting into the meat of it all. Yeah. Oh, the bastard. I think he left for his food. Uh, yeah. Um, so, basically, uh, as we get into it, he's, the monster goes in and out. Uh, it's very nauseating. I remember because my mom, when she saw it in theaters... It made her sick to her stomach um, from all the the motion blur and the constant moving the camera, which that's yet again another downside to found footage. If you're like epileptic or you get very uneasy about, you know, motion and stuff like that, it, it's you're not going to have a good time. Um, but... Yeah, uh, the monster just comes in. Uh, they they show bits and pieces of it. Um, it's you're still wondering what exactly how it came, you know, how it appeared, um, and why. Uh, and they don't they don't explain that really, if at all. You you have to watch the other films to really nitpick about that and pick it apart. It's kind of like a I would describe it as like a a really long ass fucking puzzle, because um, the sequels. Uh, I I did see Ten Cloverfield Lane uh, recently. Oh, is he back? I'm back. I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. <laughs> I was getting food, so you know, hey, the stomach. Yeah, you the stomach cut out. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you cut out. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> sorry about that, but. Uh, yeah. Back to, you know, getting into the film and how we're doing here after, you know, 
thank you for picking up for me there, man. But uh, yeah, I tried the best I could. Uh, I kind of like just stalled. I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> stalling, stalling, <laughs> stalling, coming up with things. Yeah. yeah, do a dance, do something. Damn it, there's no video. It's only audio. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> moving further into the film, we get to start to see that the movie isn't going to be one of those typical like, you know, oh, the we're going to have some unrealistic response to the situation. You know, the military comes in, they do that whole, you know, spiel of like, hey, just blow it up. Blow the <laughs> blow it up. Just shoot it, forehead. That's the best way to deal with it. But obviously that doesn't and work. But what I love the most about them, like actually bringing the military in, it actually is a realistic response to a situation like this where it's not just a simple, you know, call the National Guard, call in this, do mm-hmm. that. They, it's, it's not like, all right, nuke the bastard. You can't just do that. Yeah. To me, I love it because it almost is like they have a disaster film mixed with a kaiju film mixed with a found footage horror film at the same time. I guess I guess the best way you to describe like the the way the military works in these films is it's kind of like it's kind of mean of me to say this i guess it's kind of like how with the riots that have happened recently you know it's pretty much sort of similar to that where like the police are there shit gets worse then they send in the national guard and if things get worse there uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> what do we do now? Uh oh. But in in um, all seriousness, I think the film does a good job of making that feel of it. Like you know, stuff is bad. It's not just kind of bad. It's bad, bad. Like this isn't gonna be yeah. something we just deal with in a few seconds. This is stuff that is gonna be pretty rough. And in all honesty, and I know it, it may be a sensitive topic to bring up, but. It almost feels very reminiscent of the 9-11 footage of like the dust clouds just blowing past them while they're hiding. Yeah, in it's very I mean, you think, even, let's think about this. Yeah, it, it's 2008. It seems kind of far off. That's still that wound's pretty, still pretty. It's pretty fresh. Th- that's still pretty fresh in a lot of people's minds. So using the new york setting and having buildings be destroyed by some unstoppable force um it hits I, a little I, close it hits a little close to home for yeah. some people and and they i don't think they mean like to make you feel you know like oh this is referencing 9-11 it's more of like a kind of like an instinctual thing it's like yeah. it back of the mind like well it's hard not to you think remember 9-11 no yeah it's hard not to think about it with and the way that they're like, portraying. It, it, yeah, it, it hits you in like a weird way that like you don't immediately think of nine eleven. Yeah, it's kind of your your brain subconsciously thinks it, it. is. It's a subconscious, and it brings it bring, it brings a fear to your to your mind. Absolutely, and it's hard not to. But after it gets through the very disastrous portion where they try to run across the bridge, they try to evacuate buildings and things are just crashing around them. It gets into the very like more nitty gritty horror ish aspect when they go underground for safety, which honestly that's probably where a lot of people would go is go to like the subways and stuff to get away from it and go down and get away. But, uh, comes to find out that going underground is actually the worst thing they could have done because that's when they run into the things we've re- referenced a few times now, which are these just parasites that fall off of the creature that apparently had just been chilling on it this whole time. And yeah, man, um, they're 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 stout. They're fucking, they're fucking terrifying. They are. Uh, like, see, I hate spiders. I, that, 
I hate spiders a lot. I'm oh, do a, you? Yeah, I'm arachnophobia. Ten out of ten. I will. I will burn a house down to get rid of a spider. So yeah, it looks like we're watching Tarantula next. I, 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 okay, maybe. But you know, <laughs> when I saw them, I was like, "Oh, dude, screw that!" Like, what's the worst they can do? They're like, "What do they that, do?" I that was a pretty good use of the found footage for sure. Because um, that night kinda, vision was it, so it's, good. It's, yeah, the night vision. Because <laughs> like they, like they can't tell that it's there, but then they turn on the night vision. What's the worst that could be there? They're just like all over the ceiling, and it's just, oh, good sweet lord. <laughs> so this, yeah, this is how we die. Uh, yeah, the the fucking uh, those fucking things they stare they 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 creep me out. They they're uh, they're cre- <laughs> they're, te- they're terrifying, man. There's no sugarcoating they, them. They're scary. And I, I like I would love to know what relationship they have with the with i'm gonna, I'm gonna from this point on i'm gonna call him clover because i think that's what they call I, him i think that's what they unofficially call him too i was about to say we can call him clover well oh clover. Yeah, yeah with yeah i, I want to know what kind of like what kind of symbiotic relationship the parasites have with clover like why are they on him what do they feed off of is it this skin is it blood is it Something that he gives off, kind of like radiation, how with Godzilla, you know? Maybe. Um, kind of almost reminiscent of those giant ticks that was on uh, Godzilla 85 that attacked that boat that were just randomly. Yeah. Him, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what the I was skin thinking. Skin lice or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's something that we'll dig into at a different time that I cannot wait for because it has my top five favorites that we will get into later and I'm super excited to talk about. Yeah. But, uh, no, we get past that, and it's interesting to see what happens. Like when these things bite people, they just eventually get sick and apparently just fucking explode. Which is yeah, that was I didn't <laughs> expect that. I was like, oh, she's sick. What's the worst could? Oh god, she exploded. <laughs> oh god, she turned into a bottle rocket. Okay, this is not this is not <laughs> good. Okay, guys, like don't let them. And like the bite already looks painful, but let's not let them bite you and like. Stay away from me if you do get bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's after the military gets a hold of them. They finally reach what they were hoping was sanctuary. And it turns out it's very far. The military's just as the military's just as fucked up as the monster. Because is. everyone's in a panic. They don't know what to do. No one knows how to handle the situation. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in pure survival mode at this point. They're isolating yeah. anybody that may be messed up in any way, shape or form. But unbeknownst to them, they're just causing more of a panic. But that's not because, oh, military bad, her, der, der. That's because everyone's afraid of this giant fucking monster that's now terrorizing everyone. And no one has a user manual for giant monster attack. That's not something you keep handy. Well, unless you're in yeah. Japan and, you know, you deal with Godzilla. But that's a whole nother monster on its own thing. But moving on from that, they we finally get a sense of, like, hope. That they may potentially get away. They finally get in a, on a helicopter to where they can leave. And they're trying to get out. They're trying to fly away. And I forget what happens. I think it was the like the bomb they dropped on it knocks the helicopter yeah, they, out of the sky. They Yeah, they dropped. They did like a carpet bombing. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't that and knock it out of the sky or does the creature knock it out of the sky? The creature, the creature knocks it out of the sky. Okay. It, yeah, because they can't because after they do like the bombing run it's just like there's just a cloud of smoke on the like 
in the cityscape. Yeah, that's right. And it, it like and then it, it jumps out. out of the it jumps it jumps out of the air and grabs the helicopter. Yeah. And see, then we get a little bit more of like a up close and personal experience with Clover, which I thought was really intense and really suspenseful. Because like one, yeah. homie gets eight. He gets eight and then gets spit he back eight. out. <laughs> like, um, which it's kind of cool to see the monster with how big it is to just get a sense of scale. No, no, no. Like not that, not just that, but like it notices a person. Yeah. Uh, kind of like, like Godzilla really doesn't notice people. When he's walking around, he's too which, which adds, a, which adds, a, this adds another level of fear because it's like, oh, fuck, it knows you're there. Oh, yeah. And it, it wants to kill you. It's not like with Godzilla where he just runs through the city and he unintentionally kills people, you know? Yeah. Um, like he'll see people, but he doesn't go outright to just kill them. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Clover, the Clover, he's like, hmm. Mm. You, I'm gonna eat you. I'm gonna eat you, and then takes two bites. Like, nah, tastes like bitch. Pff, spits him out. No, yeah. doesn't care. But it's still that scene was intense. And then the ending. I gotta say that they ended the movie in a very like I wouldn't say melodramatic, but I'd say it'd be like a a bittersweet ending, to where like all they could do is just sit there and hope. You know, there wasn't any sense of like, well. We're going to get out of it and everything's going to be a-okay. You just hear the nuclear warning sirens going off because like what I mean, what else do you do? I mean, traditional things don't work. You know, every other form of bomb doesn't work. What's the only other thing we have left to defend ourselves against this thing? And it's the big boy. Big A. It's the one that created Godzilla. So we Mm. drop it and hope it works. That's all you can do. (laughs) It sucks because we're destroying our own soil, but. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't work too well. I don't think I don't think. But the film doesn't ever say anything. They don't. They don't. They don't ever tell no, you. They um, don't. So it's kind of it's kind of up to the viewer. Yeah. Um. But it's, you know, our protagonist, our characters that we've been following for this, you know, 85 minutes. All, they all die. Like yeah. they get wiped out by the A-bomb. The bomb gets dropped and then the footage just gets mangled and i imagine the recording device was destroyed but they were able to salvage the footage out of it which i do like i do like the end scene where like after you know the bomb drops um you it cuts to them at uh an amusement park um and they're just like enjoying themselves i'm 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 guessing it's before yeah it's before the the whole you know yeah it's before the monster attack yeah and it uh, if you look in the distance, you see something fall out of the sky yeah. into the ocean, um, which gives you the hint that hey, this thing isn't from our world; it's an alien. Yeah. Um, and I think they, every time like the camera glitches, you if you watch it in like super slow motion, or if you pause it just right, you you get to see little Easter eggs. Like I think at some point they showed like a King Kong poster. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, they give little hints. Oh yeah, they give little hints to its kaiju origins all throughout the film. Which, like, a lot of people forget that this is at the end of the day, it's still a kaiju movie, giant monster destroying everything. Yeah, check. There you go. You have your kaiju. Yeah. So it gives homage to its kaiju origins, which is really nice. But uh, we got now that we've reached our full synopsis of this film, we got to pick our favorite scenes here. Cameron, my man, what do you think was the creme de la creme of this film as far as like what you saw? Um, 
there, well, there isn't really anything that, like, really popped out and was like, this, this is the best scene. Um, I, 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 li- I, I kind of liked the film as a whole. There wasn't anything I was, like, oh, this is probably my favorite scene. I, I liked the, the subway scene with the, the parasites. I thought that was a cool change of pace from the giant monster. Um, I like when they switch to night vision and you see yeah. them in the background and you're like, oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good one. The, uh, the person getting sick and exploding, that's, that was really cool. You know, that took me aside because uh, I didn't expect someone to just like fucking explode. Yeah. Um, I, I'd probably have to say the, uh, the scene where they're bombing the monster and when it's rampaging, I, I like the entire sequence where it's rampaging through the city and you actually get to see the monster. Yeah. Um, that was a good scene. Yeah. I liked all that, all the, all those scenes. Uh, I just, I would group all those together. Like that's my favorite. Yep. Fair, uh, that's fair. Cause I, I, that's fair. There's something, there's something childish about childish, but you know, fun about seeing a monster destroy buildings. And it's just, it's it's great. Hey man, nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, <laughs> for me, I, I'm gonna have to go with the subway scene because that to me just threw me so off guard. I wasn't ex- I was expecting a giant monster movie. I was expecting disaster, destruction. I was expecting him to like fall through the subway or something like that, and causing them to have to run from it now even more. I was not expecting a horror sequence. In a subway. I wasn't expecting that at all, and it threw me for a loop. And I gotta say, creative ideas that that was just it was so creative and so off-putting that to me it made mm-hmm. it even better. I wasn't expecting it, but I loved it all the way through and through. So Yeah. As far as uh favorite characters go, in all honesty, I, I don't really have one. I, I really didn't They were all they not bashing the actors. No. But it's not, it's it's not like a superhero movie where it's like oh, this character has you know they, you know they have so much character development and you come to love this character. These are just random people. Yeah. I, um. It's like oh, you know their names, but that's it. You don't really get to get a feel of like yeah. their personality. You know. I didn't really uh, link with anybody that I felt was like no. better than the others. I felt like it was just a group of people trying to survive together and you know, they existed. The actors look, the actors did a wonderful job. The actors did a great No, they did a great job. It's 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 yeah, just, it's just uh, the they film. Did a great job in terms of acting. It's not like that, but it's not like they were. Yeah. you know. It's just the film like, and the way the characters are written. I because they're not meant to be our focus. The creature is meant to be our focus. The destruction yeah. around them is meant to be the focus of our attention. So they are a bit more forgettable in that sense. Which hey, that's what it's all about. It's a kaiju movie. It's about Clover. It's not about them. Uh, yeah. You know, usually we cover soundtrack. Once again, there is no soundtrack, so there's not much to cover there. Cinematography, though, I got to say, like, it had some really dope scenes and set pieces. Like, the scene with the the Statue of Liberty, amazing. The, once again, the subway scene, amazing. The full-scale shot of the carpet bombing that is your favorite is a perfect scene of us getting to see it. The destruction of, of the city where we're seeing just little bits and pieces of it between, you know, buildings, them hiding in stores and seeing the smoke cloud of destruction take the power out and the sense of fear that's happening. It It's a lot yeah. to take in. And this movie, they do a very good job 
uh, of making it. They, you feel a sense of scale. You, you feel a sense of worry and dread through the entire thing. It, it's truly a cinematography wise. It's very good. And I think it's pretty underrated for the film and what people really think about it just because it's found. Yeah. Footage. Um, and even though I, I'm not the biggest fan of found footage, I will say I like the idea of found footage for a kaiju film because um, it's it's not like oh ghost scary ooh there's ghosts in blurry form because I can't hold the camera steady I I like because you get a sense of scale mm-hmm. with a giant monster because it's from a human's perspective and you get to see how colossal the monster is and how destructive they really are from a human's perspective um and i would love to see another movie like that you know found footage kaiju destruction you know i think that'd be awesome oh for sure uh i think it'd be something that could really mix up the kaiju world if we had one nowadays yeah i i I would, would i see it hell yeah uh but it's you have to make it work because like again i'm not the fan base fan of like the whole shaky cam thing it just it, eh. hey it's perfectly I, understandable man yeah because i i like to see the monster destroy shit uh so that's that's one issue you might have with a found footage like this so you're not gonna get to see a lot of destruction understandable so cameron my man at the end of the day, after all is said and done, yes. after everything we have talked about, how are you rating this bad boy out of 10? Uh, probably a 6.5 to a 7. Um, it's not terrible. Um, like, it. <laughs> yet again, it's the found footage for me. Um, hey, understandable. It's not my cup. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, but do, am I going to say it's a trash film solely because it's fan footage? No. Uh, I see the appeal of it. I, I still enjoy it, you know. Um, but I would prefer to see like a different camera angle, you know, and you get to see the whole monster destroy an entire city. Hey, perfectly understandable. And I say that's a fair rating because uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw her a seven and a half, seven point five. Because one, I saw it in theaters and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Two, that scene in the in the subway, yet again, I keep recycling saying the same thing, but it truly was a different at a completely different pace that I wasn't expecting the film to take that I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed and was surprised about. So I'm gonna give it a 7.5. I'm gonna shut the lid on old Cloverfield and say that you know what? Between you and me. Seven to a seven and a half. I'd say that's a fair rating. I'd say Cloverfield's a, a good movie. Yeah. I'd definitely recommend. I'd recommend it. Yeah, and check out the uh, the two sequels to Cloverfield because um, the they they are indeed sequels, but they're not like direct sequels. I'm trying to. Because they don't have the monster in them, except for one, but I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Uh, now that our film has been covered, now we get to get on to the comic portion of our show, which uh, I'm going to take the 
credit for this one as Matt took the credit for the last one, which I got to, hey, shout out, Matt. You picked a wonderful comic last time that we will finish, that I promise you. But this one is going to be the oh-so-wonderful story of Batman the Long Halloween. It is a 13-issue comic all compiled together. And, man, it is a 384-page just it's a book. It is a book, but my goodness, is it a wonderful book? And uh, these were released in uh, from '96 to '97. It was a full year of releases over there with uh, the guys over at DC, written by uh, Jeff uh, Loeb, I believe is his name. And then it was made the art style by Tim Sale. My goodness, completely changed the game for me with this like the story is great do, do not get me wrong the story is not bad the story is wonderful but the art style is what sold me on this seeing like i, seeing I really Batman, did enjoy the art style it's so different like it's so it's almost reminiscent of the dark knight returns which i the, it, it has that gritty style to it, it it's not afraid to be a bit outlandish but it also has a sense what? of grit the one character design that really took me aside was Catwoman's design. Because uh, I'm used to seeing her in black, you know, and... Yeah, here she is in that. purple. She, <laughs> she's in purple. She's got wicked abs, too. Oh, um, yeah. And she's got these big ears. I thought it was like bat ears. I'm like, who's this? And they're like, oh, it's Catwoman. I'm like... What the fuck? To me, uh, I loved I, I loved Batman's design so much. And like I have a couple oh, of buddies. Dude, they hate this design of Batman. They're like his ears are too big and crazy and he just looks he weird. He looks evil and I like it. Me too. I, but I think he looks intimidating. He looks like what Batman is meant to be, an intimidating figure that would completely change your life if he found you, not just because he beat the shit out of you, because he'd scare you to death. And to me, I think that's what this Batman achieves. He achieves that sense of intimidation and he achieves that sense of fear, which I think is a wonderful change of events from like the usual super heroic Batman that takes care of civilians. He's more of like the, if I cross your path, bro, you're going to regret it. I'm going to beat the shit out of you (laughs) for sure. So, this this comic is really interesting because to me it is a mix of a Batman comic, a crime mystery th- thriller drama, and a a just you know it felt very Godfatherish to me. I was just gonna fucking say, dude, that. it felt very Godfatherish, like in a very good way. Yeah, all these people like get whacked. Um, and Batman has to figure it out. Yeah, it's uh, we're dealing a lot with the Falcons, which is like a big Falcon mob that they that exists in Gotham. Because usually we see, mm-hmm. you know, the Joker, Ivy, Two Face, and all these other people that are like super villains. I'm using air quotes here, and we usually don't yeah. get to see like a lot of the grittier, you know, underbelly of the mob. They're usually secondhand. So we get to see, you know, more of a crime drama here. And this was uh, before Two-Face became uh, Two-Face. It was Harvey Dent. We were dealing with Harvey Dent, which to me was nice because it's 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 still true to how Harvey Dent became Harvey Dent. Now, as far as him, like, you know, doing all that wild shit before he did that, his true origins, it's not exactly true. But this does go in line with year one 
which is another story we'll get into later because this is Batman's mm. early days. This is before Harvey Dent became Two-Face. Batman is still, you know, not perfect, but he's still, you know, completely lethal. And he's trying to catch a a killer, basically. And he is a killer that is going around and taking out mob hands. He's for he, on holidays. On holidays, too. And he's leaving festive gifts as like a calling card. Very similar to how the Joker leaves a uh. Joker card. Yes, uh, I thought it was also cool because um, you don't really see him often. Uh, I thought it was cool how Batman and Gordon, they go to the help of, uh, ask for the help from uh, Calendar Man. <laughs> and uh, I, didn't ex- I did not expect to see him in this. And it was kind of cool and it kind of made sense for a killer, you know, that only kills people on holidays. Oh, yeah. And to see the, the psyche of Calendar Man, I thought it was great. It was really cool uh, to see the the way, because he, he killed everybody the same exact way. He had a twenty two pistol. He would he would, sh- you know, shave off the uh, shave off the numbers and then he would tape the handle so there'd be no fingerprints. And then he would use a baby bottle's nipple as like a really like makeshift silencer. And he would just, w- which I never heard of. I've, I've really, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I want to know if that works. I got to know if that works. Now. I, I mean, with a 22, maybe because a 22 is such a small caliber, it might work, but I don't know. That seems a little yeah. sus to me if I'm being honest, but, <laughs> but, uh, beyond all of that, this killer is starting to take out mob hands and he's going down each and every one of them. And Harvey Dent, Bruce Wayne, AKA Batman, and Commissioner Gordon are all simultaneously trying to solve this murder. And they're trying and they're trying and they're trying to figure it out. And each time, each time they get a little closer, he gets further away. And each time they think they figured it out, something else comes out. And each time they get a little bit closer to solving the truth, this person turns them for a loop. And that's what makes it cool. Yeah. Because we're not just getting the same old, oh, Batman will figure it out. It's not just Batman. Batman's figuring it out. Gordon's figuring it out. And then Two-Face, well, Harvey Dent is trying to figure it out. So we're starting to get a little more, uh, a little, it's a little more detective-y and a little less Batman action-y, which not a bad thing. I think it's great. I think it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. spin. Uh, And then we get ready to, we start getting a little more into seeing how Harvey Dent falls into like this psyche of Two-Face before he gets burned and turned into Two-Face. It's like he's starting to get frustrated that he's like, the system's not working. Why isn't the system working? It's like, because this guy is playing outside the system. He's playing outside of their hands and he can't, get a grip of it. And it's starting to really mess with his psyche throughout the book. And it's interesting to see that, you know, that slowly falling apart. And, uh, after I'm trying to think of where, you know, Dent was really, Harvey was really starting to get more and more and more out of whack as the book goes on. And, once I mean, man, once he got that acid thrown in his face because he could he could have killed the person that did it, but he didn't. He wanted to put into the system, you know, do justice. Mm-hmm. But then the system. I mean, you can't. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to just say, like, hey, don't throw that acid on him. It's illegal. 
I'm a criminal. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're going to just stop. So he gets the acid, throws it on Dent, and Dent inevitably becomes the one we all know as Two-Face. And once he yes. becomes Two-Face, honestly, one, the art style of Two-Face in that is just so insane. He's just he gnarled gross. to shit. It is just an insane renditioning of Two-Face, and it is honestly my favorite. It's just incredible. Uh, but they they keep slowly figuring out, like, they're like, you know, who's doing all this? Who's doing all this? And and Bruce is starting to get a little bit of a, di- you know, Batman's getting a different scent. You know, Gordon is going after the mob. It's like, it's the mob, it's the mob, it's the mob, it's the mob, it's the mob. And mm-hmm. Bruce finds a different one. Batman is, is figuring things out. He's, he, he goes and he's like, well, what if it's Dent? What if it's him? And they, he's yeah. like, he goes to investigate dent a little bit more and he's finding some pretty incriminating things you know like finding some shavings finding you know parts and pieces that he shouldn't have but you know even dent's wife confronts him like hey why do you have this he's like hey it's evidence it's yeah why do you have a gun why do you have the exact gun that the killer has been using oh it's evidence you know i bring my work home and she's like you always bring it home like I don't know, Dent. You're acting, yeah, since when? yo, Dent acting sus. Vote out. You know they're they're getting really yo, salt dent, salt dent vent, dude. Salt dent and vent didn't come back. Yo, where's your task? What's your task, bro? So they're they're getting a little bit. You know, it's getting it's getting a little bit worse for Dent. He's looking at different things. And granted, I know I am telling this all out of whack. Granted, I am not saying all this in order. I am pinpointing different points in the story that really accumulate together, which I recommend to anybody. If you have access to this book, if you have access to it in any way, shape or form, I highly recommend you go read it because it's not only is it a mm. wonderful read, the art style will blow your mind because it is so different and out of normal sync of what we see in Batman comics. The story will take you into a very godfatherish thriller sense of of reading and it is honestly a wonderful read so if you if my words seem a bit convoluted and i'm going backwards a bit it's because i'm just so enamored by the story that i get a little ahead of myself but i keep trying to bring it back to other major points in this book that's just yeah um also don't expect to finish it and like in evening oh no because uh, i didn't exp- i didn't know how long it was until i started reading it i'm like this motherfucker is 300 pages long i'm like the- what the fuck <laughs> oh yeah a lot of people don't expect it to be that long because usually you'll have batman stories be you know like 100 ish pages 200 ish pages this thing is almost 400 pages but it's 400 pages of pure illustrated and written gold that I truly will say is one of my favorite Batman tales that I know some people don't really like because the art style is a bit different, that it's a little outside the box of normality for Batman. But I can tell a lot of people that even if you don't like the art style, just read it, read the story because the story is good because it is a crime mystery drama. And I keep referencing it because it feels like a Godfather book. It feels like something out of Godfather because it's very mafia oriented, but it's like, what if the Godfather met Batman? That's how I feel with it. And to me, I, mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful combination that you can't really go wrong with. No, <laughs> but after, uh, we start getting more, uh, we start getting, you know, more into the book and, you know, Dent is now, you know, Two-Face, he uh, he disappears from the hospital and is gone. And so 
Batman immediately goes back to Dent's wife and is like, they're all like, hey, where's Harvey? And they're like, I don't know, isn't he in the hospital? And it's like, nah, bro, he's gone. <laughs> so it's like, oh shit, Harvey's, he's loose and he's going just doing whatever. And he goes, he's pretty much just going after Falcone at this point. He's going after the hot, he's going after the big guy. He wants the big shebang, yeah. which I mean, makes sense. He's been trying to take him out this whole time, but that he's been avoiding the system again and again and again. So Harvey was really never able to get his hands on him. So when he finally shows up, Batman's already there, but because Falcone, you know, he's a mob boss. He knows like, he's like, Hey, you ain't going to do shit to me. But he's like, I know you could get shit on me to put me away. So they kind of have this. It's kind of almost like how what me and Matt were talking about last weekend with how Daredevil and Hammerhead had that uh, meeting because Hammerhead is a classic mob guy. So he was letting him come in to talk to him. Not that Daredevil broke in all spectacularly. It's kind of like the same vibe you're getting. So when he does yeah. get in there to confront Falcone, you know, he tells him, you know, they confront each other about the killings. They confront each other and uh he tell he pretty much just tells him he's like, "Hey, look, you know, everything's going to shit. Harvey's on the loose. He's been after you, and you never know what might happen." And so he goes to leave, mm. and then Dent shows up to kill him. Dent shows up ready to kill Falcone. Batman knows he's been waiting for it. He drops in to stop him, and then, <laughs> I mean. By the way, like I know this is skipping back a hot minute, but we have all these other villains that are coming into play at this point. We have like yeah, they play well. The only one of them really put well two, two of them play like minor roles to the story. Yeah, it's it, uh, we get Joker and Ivy. They're like uh, Catwoman is honestly she's on Bruce's side here. She is with Batman. Whether she, she's always been her character's always been very like. I, I kind of like an anti-hero, yeah, semi sorta, yeah. Uh, it depends on like what, like what you see her in. Exactly. Uh, sometimes she's more. Sometimes she's more of a villain. Sometimes she's more of a hero. It all. Just it all just depends. depends on what way the story wants to write her. But we yeah. we get. I know I'm stepping back here because where I'm going now, I'm getting to like near the end of it. But that was just the main line. But we have other situations in here that have been throwing that have been thrown in here where the Joker has started to try to figure out who's doing these murders because it's like, hey, he, this guy's taking all my clout. Like, who is this yeah. guy? I want to find him. So jo the Joker is actually going around and like attacking other mobs and going after other people, trying to figure out who this person is. Because he wants to kill him. He's tired of this guy taking all of his business. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, that we got the Joker in play here. And then suddenly this also goes off of showing you how much Bruce is still in his year one phase when he gets uh, Ivy takes over, his, like manipulates him and he has all the vines wrapped around him and it takes over his mind. Like now, like Bruce later in his career, he, he knows how to beat Ivy. He'd never get taken over by her spell because he's a, he's got an immunity to it. And he has a he has a, a serum for it to stop it if she ever gets control of him. So this was mm -hmm. like a sh a really showing his his rookiness of getting his mind taken over and all that good business. So he's now uh, Ivy takes him over, you know, Selena Catwoman saves him. Yada, yada. And through this entire sequence, it's a lot of like she's manipulating him for Falcone to like move money around. It's a very convoluted plot of him moving money from Wing Tech to all these other sources. 
and making deals. It's something you really need to read that I don't want to bore you with the details. Not really bore you, but also spoil it because we're here to talk about it, not spoil the story. So after he gets freed by Selena, he he's back into his own mindset. And that's when all of what I spoke about a while ago with Two-Face going to kill Falcone and he ends up, Falcone ends up getting help. Uh, not not Falcone. Uh, Two Face ends up finding everyone else. He finds the Joker. He finds uh, Ivy, and they're like, "Hey, you want to like group up, be like a little ragtag group here for a little bit, and try to take out the head guy?" And they end up kind of banding together for a hot minute to try to take out Falcone. Well, they get there. They go through Falcone's men. Batman tries to step in and he two face gets his hands on Falcone and the villains try to stop him. And like Bruce may be new, but he is still lethal. He takes out each individual one of these villains. Bam, 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 boom, done. Just dishes them away as if they weren't even there. Just yeah, he fucks them up. <laughs> he, he does. He, he puts them down like they're nothing. And then we get to the point where. Batman is trying to talk to Dent. He's trying to get through that psyche, but Dent is just so hell bound on knowing that the system has failed him. The system has failed Gotham. It has failed him. It has failed Gotham. It has failed innocent lives that have been lost in the mob. And they, and he knows that if he puts Falcone behind bars and lets Batman do justice with the system, that he is just going to spit him right back out. And he's going to be back where he was beforehand. He's all back to where it goes. And then the, thus the system will do nothing. So mm-hmm. Batman tries to, you know, he really tries to help him. And at the end of it all, Batman tries to. He tries to help him. He tries to get through to him. And Dent just he he's corrupted by his his own, you know, his own facade of the world that he sees that he doesn't want to listen to reason. And he does trade his two face trademark flip of the coin and flips Mm -hmm. to decide Falcone's fate and ends up shooting Falcone twice, twice in the head, bam, bam. And Falcone's like beefed up juice daughter walks in to attack <laughs> to attack Two Face and like Catwoman ends up stopping her. His his meathead dog. Oh dude, she's a she's just yoked out of her mind. She looks fucking ugly. <laughs> she is she is she, definitely gonna like crush your shit for sure. And uh she ends up rushing Two Face. Catwoman stops her and they wrestle for a bit and they end up uh falling through a window. Catwoman's able to grab the ledge, but Sophia plunges and you know, I'm I, I'm imagining she dies. I'm, I'm fairly certain she does. And. Uh, pretty much Batman gets knocked out by Two-Face at that point. And Two-Face is just he, yeah. he's gone on a rampage at this point. He is just killing left and right, left and right, left and right. And he kills all the fields of all the people that were with Falcone. And because uh, they're they're the people that helped get him that helped scar him, helped make him who he is. And then Batman sees mm-hmm. the bat signal and goes to commissioner Gordon and two face is literally just sitting there. He's done. He's like, okay, I did what I wanted. 
He said justice has been done, and he believes that because he slaughtered all these people, that justice truly has been done. It's happened. It's mm-hmm. over and done with. And uh, and he ends up just turning himself in, and Gordon cuffs him, and he pretty much just says, let's see what the system does with me. And he drops one bombshell that is just a it is a spoiler. And um, if you don't want to hear this, skip a few seconds ahead if you don't want to hear the spoiler. But uh, he ends up saying that there was not just a singular killer. The calendar killer was not the only one. There was a second killer. There was a second murderer on the loose. There's two people. Mm -hmm. And uh and since, you know, Alberta, which is one of the characters that is our holiday murderer, and, uh, you know, they, they pretty much Batman figures out, figures that out, and uh, Two-Face killed Roman on Halloween. He killed him on Halloween, so there had to be a second killer. And they keep trying to figure out who it is. The, the whole time they're trying to fill it out, and they end up seeing they end up going Alberto. He he somehow he avoided the gas chamber. I don't know how. I, th- I think it's because he declared insanity, I believe. And yeah. uh, he was sent to Arkham where that's where we get to finally see the calendar man, which was really cool because we really don't get to see him in very many stories. And yeah, uh, Gilda, which is to, uh, Harvey's wife. She's packing up boxes to move out of Gotham. You know, Harvey's gone AWOL. You know, she's got nothing left for her there. And, uh, yeah, she's like, fuck. Yeah. And before she leaves and she's fully out of there, uh, she goes down to her basement and she starts like reciting Dent's case aloud to herself and stuff like that. And (sighs) it's just so crazy that she just suddenly. She pulls a box up. She's reciting the case to herself and then dumps all of the shit we've been seeing this whole time being done that we've been thinking is dent dumps all of it. The pistol, the baby bottle, nipples, the the tape, all of it, and just run, puts it all in a furnace, burns it. And mm-hmm. she ends up being the second killer, the holiday killer. And she was trying to do what Dent wanted, which was to end Roman's hold on Gotham and light. And yeah. she, what she was doing was wrong. I'm not saying that it was right, but she was doing it all in an act. So Dent would be able to lighten the caseload. So he and her would be able to start a family because that's what she wanted more than anything. But she knew because Dent was so enamored in this case and so, you know, she she was so enamored in being with him and he was so enamored with the case and trying to solve it that he couldn't see past what it was doing to his family. But he knew the importance mm-hmm. of getting this case solved. She took it upon herself to take out the problems. But to her, she was helping. But to everyone else reading, she was causing him to be out more. She was causing him to have more to do. Because it was a new case. Yeah. It was a new addition. It was a new murder. It was a new, you know, a new bit of evidence. So it was all coming full circle. And then when you find out that she's been the one doing it all. And then the crazy thing is, is that she still believes in Dent. Even after he became Two-Face and his, honestly, he, his mind, his psyche is gone at this point. 
she still believes in him. She still wants to cure him and get him back to normal. So, I mean, hey, find you a woman like Gilda, people. (laughs) Believes in you even after (laughs) you go on a murder spree and become insane. But, honestly, I could go on for hours about this story. It's so much to try to to... to crunch into a small time frame, and I know I'm probably not doing it justice. I really know I'm probably not, but I I gotta say, it's just such a good, it's such a good comic. It's such a good, everything about it's great. I I don't think I really yeah. hate any portion of this comic. Everything about it feels good it feels like batman it feels like a crime drama it feels like everything in between mixed together smushed together and it's just it's a wonderful recipe that i honestly just Mm -hmm. i i I can't really find anything to knock about it it's one of my favorite batman comics of all time it's it's i've read this comic multiple times getting to reread it was a treat it was it wasn't even work for me for the podcast it was just oh boy i get an excuse to reread it again so I was fine with it. <laughs> I was perfectly fine with it. So I'm uh I'm gonna cut it a bit short on the recap on it because I know I could go on about it for days and nerd out about it even more. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's also just it's just a very long con. It is in general. It, it's a chunky boy. It's got a lot of meat in it, and honestly, I like I said, I recommend anybody to just take the time, sit down and delve into it and just get yourself lost in the very noir early days of Batman and just the gritty crime drama that follows. So I guess now we could, uh, let's go ahead and we're going to, we're going to cut it short and we're going to rate this bad boy. And I'm going to let you guys let the fans and let the listeners go experience this book for all that it's worth. Cause guys, it's worth it. I I promise you. If you want to read anything in this uh, that we've ever talked about, I cannot recommend this comic any more than anything else that we're going to read. And I imagine I'm going to have more in the past, you know, in the future here that I'm going to recommend just as well. But this one is the perfect time of the season to read it. It is the perfect time of year to read it. So get out there and get yourself a copy and read this bad boy and enjoy the luxury of a seasonal crime drama. That is just got a bit of Batman in it. And I say, that's a great combo. So, (laughs) so Cameron, I got to ask you, man, just like with Cloverfield, we got to do it here too. What are we rating this bad boy out of ten? Um, it's a toughie. Um, I, overall, it was it was great. I loved it. Um, it was a little too long for my taste. Um, which kind of is it? It's going to lose some points because of that, but that's. You know, that's up to the viewer. I, I'm I have a really short attention span, so <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it uh, seven point five out of ten. Okay, that's fair. I respect that. I mean, if it's not your cup of tea, even if the story it, is great, the late that and that, and also it's I haven't read a lot of comics in general, so it's I I don't have a lot to compare it against. You know, yeah. Uh, so I can't make, I can't make a really, really good judgment. It's, is it a great comic? Hell yeah. I, I really dig the art style. Um, I dig the character designs. 
Um, I like the plot. Um, I like how it focuses on the mafia a bit more than, you know, just one of the superhero or the supervillains, you know, that we hear about time and time again. Uh, it's kind of cool to see Batman in his earlier years, you know, fighting just like the mob and smaller crimes. And oh, absolutely. Having, having to deal with something new like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh well, if it's coming down here to me, to my vote, I know it's going to be a bit biased. I know I'm going to sound like I'm just fanboying and giving it the rating. That There's, nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, man, to me, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. This is a, a – to me, it is a wonderful comic. It's a wonder – honestly, it is, a, it is a book. It is a book. It is an absolute – behemoth it, it to read a it's a behemoth to read but i i i gotta give it a 10 out of 10 for me and i know that i'm very i do not give 10 out of 10s easy and like i know that matt has his that i know he'd probably give plenty of 10 out of 10s out there but to me i'm pretty critical so when i vote for when i give something a rating i don't give it lightly so for me giving this a 10 out of yeah. 10 is a big deal for me and there's very few especially comics that like give me that 10 out of 10 feeling and this is one of them there are a couple other Batman stories that make that cut that hopefully uh, we will cover in future episodes. But to me, this is a, uh, this is a 10 out of 10. So I, uh, I highly recommend anybody that wants to get into Batman or wants just a good Batman comic to, you know, snuggle up next to the fire and just read and enjoy. This is a read comic. This is not let me just skim through and look at the pretty colors. This is I need to read the story and enjoy it. So. 10 out of 10 mm -hmm. for me. I had a fun time reading it. So it, it, it's just the creme de la creme for me this week for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good, uh, a good Halloween read. Absolutely. It, it really, it really fit with, uh, the season and I enjoyed that. Absolutely. So, uh, I gotta say, it was. I think this was a good episode. I say we had a good, yeah. a good little selection here. Um, yeah. Uh, I I do gotta ask uh, before we sign off. Uh, it's the beginning of the month. Um, it's that time of month, you know. Are you gonna participate this year? Ah, uh. <laughs> if you. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> and it's, it's sad because like I, I had to think about it for a second I'm like wait what month is it it was like November oh <laughs> damn it yeah baby I mm, I am one of those people that I used to participate the viewers want to know <laughs> the viewers want to know are you man enough can you got enough it's like no okay um I I I I don't know, dude. I know I would probably do it just for the memes, but I don't think uh, my lovely girlfriend would appreciate it too much. <laughs> so, oh, I yeah. think that's I, even harder because yeah, girlfriend. I think it. I think she might uh, be a bit a bit against it. So we we're gonna have to see how that works out. Are are you going to take the test? Um, yes, yes, I All am. All right, we're keeping uh, you to it. We're keeping you to it. I will keep you guys uh, 
informed. Informed with just the uh, right amount. I did not too much detail, please. I, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, we'll start an episode and I'll be like, I fucked up. And that's all you'll need to hear. Well, hey, since since we are in our little nerd talk here before we end the sec- end our episode, one last thing I got to ask since it did premiere Friday, did you catch the episode the newest episode of The Mandalorian? Oh my god, yes. Just <laughs> we're going to geek out about this for just a minute because one, I got to say, amazing. Two, I don't want to spoil anything for people who may or may not have seen this yet because I know it is still brand new. But listen, I think at this point, if like if you don't want to hear any spoilers about uh, the newest episode of Mandalorian, I would just. Yeah, honestly, I I would I would skip. I would skip ahead (laughs) because it's hard not to spoil the awesomeness that was this episode. It's it's so hard. It is because there's a we're just going to cover a few little points here. I don't want to go in too much detail because we could probably do an entire episode per episode of The Mandalorian because they just they stuff so much into one episode. It's insane. They did. Um, one, Boba's armor. What the fuck? That's number one. Boba's armor. What the fuck? Number two. Yes, that that was I. That, I I sh- dude. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. I don't know. I and saw then, it and I said, okay. I was like, yo, what, what's what's this? At first, I thought it was Boba, and then he took off the helmet. I'm well, like, it, that's not. It Boba. wasn't Boba's clothes. Like usually, he has like dark green clothing underneath that. So I'm like, yeah. Usually, it's like he's like he has some gray stuff. Yeah, that he wears and, and everything. S- Plus. Boba Fett isn't skinny like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm looking either. at him. I'm like, that don't look like Boba. Why he got Boba's armor on, though? But hey, Cody Oliphant, that handsome bastard, wore that armor wonderfully, <laughs> looking like a silver fox snack, being what he is. Uh, it was it was interesting to see Boba's armor. It really threw me for a loop because like everyone thought it was like, oh, Boba's there, Boba's there. And then we see Boba's armor, so I'm like, one half of me was like, are they confirming that, yes, Boba has in fact died, that is his armor that was scavenged from the Sarlacc pit, but then I'm like, how the hell did they get a Sarlacc? How did they get to the Sarlacc pit? Then, yeah. that's where the story goes on. We get to see a crate dragon, which we... That, holy we shit. Finally, we finally get to see a crate dragon in canon. Yeah, it's no longer just a um, book thing. It's no longer just a, oh, it's kind of, it exists, but we're not going to get to see it. But... That also, that is the thing the, that eats Sarlacc pits. Now, to give you a sense yeah. of scale of this behemoth, a Sarlacc pit is a huge... It's fucking huge. It's a kaiju. I count it as a Dude, kaiju. Dude, for sure. I mean, you gotta think, a Sarlacc pit is not just a hole in the ground. It is like a giant tree system down underneath the sand. It's, it's like a... I, I kind of... Yeah, because a Sarlacc... Um, it starts off as like a larva. And then a it weird grows. Giant larva. It grows and just gets in. And then it... Then it yeah, and it becomes almost like a a, a tumor, and it kind of just like sits. Yeah, around. and this thing um, was big enough to not only eat it, but hollow out the hole that it existed in and killed it. Yeah. So just think about that for a second. Um. Uh. It was cool to also hear the crate dragon's uh howl. Oh yeah. Or roar, and it if you if you go back to all the uh when in a new hope. When Obi Wan scares off the Sand People using the crate dragon howl, yeah. it was a real nice. It sounds it. It sounds sort of like the unedited version from 1977. Yeah. But if you combine all the ed- the different edits of the howl, because they changed it over time, 
Um, it sounds like a perfect little combination of all three of those. Yeah. And I, I really uh, would like to, I'm really anxious to see behind the scenes of that episode and hope that's how they did it. Cause if so, that would be such a wonderful nod at the classics and it would just be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but not uh, only that, we, we get to see Boba's armor, we get to see the crate dragon and we finally, one thing, and like I was, I was watching this with my girlfriend Friday night and I, she's really into the Mandalorian, but she's still learning star Wars lore so like I'm kind of like okay. her dictionary. She comes to me. She's like, "What does that mean? What does this mean?" And I'm like, "Okay, well here's this is how that goes. That's how this goes. This is how that goes." And it's like, "Okay, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "How did you know that?" I was like, "Cause I read a lot of stupid shit when I was a kid. Cause I had nothing better to do. <laughs> I learned the retarded facts. I was a nerd. <laughs> but now, guess what? They're coming up in canon. So I was fucking prepared. <laughs> so <laughs> the one thing that really enamored me was we finally get to see." the sand people not just be savages. They're not just sitting there, you know, and just murdering somebody. No, we finally get to see them be normal. You get to see, you get to see their language. Exactly. You get to see their language. You get to see how they function as a society. Exactly. Um, and it, it, it humanizes them more. And I love oh, that. Me too. I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome to see Mando talking to the, uh, sand people. Through their language. Um, too. And it's, through their through their language, it's a lot of grunts, and they also seem to use like ASL. It's a bit of sign where, language you know, mixed in with it as well. It's it's a, it's sign yeah. language and like vocalization at the same time. Um, yeah, and I thought that was really yeah, cool. and it was really cool, especially uh, when I learned that the actor who plays uh, Mando, which I, I'm I'm blanking on a name at the moment, he. Uh, yeah, I forget. He actually was making those noises and those hand gestures. He wasn't. He did. Oh, was he actually making those? Yes, noises? he actually learned Tuscan. They like taught it to him, and he read it and read it and learned it to the point of where he could do those himself. He did not re-record those. I love that. I love that. Oh, so me much. too. I love when actors take that take their roles so seriously. Absolutely, like and that. see, it's actually speaking of uh, the Sand People. It was a funny little segment. Uh, my girlfriend and I are sitting there watching and she, we're sitting here watching and I'm explaining to her how it's, it's awesome to see the Tuscans be normal for once. And she was like, oh, they're, he's like, they're actually not that bad. They're kind of cute. I'd like to see a Tuscan child or something, you know? I was like, yeah, you can totally yeah. go see one. She's like, oh, where? I'm like, episode two where Anakin kills all of them. She's like, that's horrible. I'm like, well, you asked. <laughs> you <laughs> I mean, asked. Like, that's the only time we get to see it. So go watch that. <laughs> so, um, um, and then. I guess we'll we'll talk about the big one. Yeah, the big one at the end. Yeah, we'll we'll jump ahead to that because we're the not going to everybody. We're not going to spoil like oh, how the yeah. the crate dragon thing because that's just something you got to just go experience. But like the ending yeah. lasts like ten seconds. Those the last few all I'm going to say is Disney, you fuckers! You're going to make me wake a week. You're going to make me stew on that for a week until I can get answers. You're going to make me stew on it. You're going to make me hate every second I got to wait to get answers. <laughs> You're going to make me hate myself. Because I'm going to be theorizing about it. And if it's not what I think it's going to be, I'm going to cry. (laughs) I've been waiting to see this for a long time. I've been wanting answers about it for a long time. And they don't confirm it. You see it. But... But see, what I'm curious about is, is it him? Is it him? Or or hear Mm. me out. Is it clone? It 
clones are still the clones yeah. are still very much alive. There are very few of them that that went against six, Order sixty six. Since that's what a lot of people are. A lot of people are saying if it's not him, it could be Rex or it could oh be my Cody. God, if it's Rex, what the fuck? Ah, my, I heard Rex. I heard Rex is supposed to appear. In but this. see, that's what I'm curious about is if um, that is Rex, like. Like, what's he? What's he doing? Yeah, but if it's Rex, if it's Rex, he would be with the other clones. Then that—that's like, what I'm rebels. thinking too. Because if it is Rex, that means are we going to see the other clones as well? I hope so. Because I know, as far as I know, Rex is still alive. Yeah, no. Because Rebels after, confirms after the events of Rebels confirms that Rex is still alive, and Rebels takes place. Well, no, not just that, but he's so in the 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 battle for uh, Endor. Um, you see in one of the photos, uh, behind the scenes photos, you see a, uh, one of the rebels and he's got this big, very white beard. Oh yeah. No, that's supposed yeah, to be Rex. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the animated show rebels confirms that all those clones are still alive past the fall of the death star. They're still very much alive. Yes. So to me, if that is yes. Rex, it would make sense. And if it was Rex, then we are well, we should it, be seeing was, the other clones very soon. See, the thing is, with Rex and all the other clones, they were alter versions of Django, uh, 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 in the sense that they age faster. Yeah. So they would be they would look a lot older. But um, he didn't. But he beard. didn't look that old. He looked about what the actors. Yeah, age that's was. that's why I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking. That's why I'm thinking. It's not one of the clones. If it is um, Boba, one thing that like I that was like what I was talking to my girlfriend about when she was like, "Isn't that one of the guys who plays the clones?" I told her, "Yeah." I was like, "That is Django. That because they all look like Django. They're all direct clones of Django." And so, yeah, what makes me think I, is if it is Boba, where's his blaster? He has a long rifle on his back. I like to think that maybe he lost some of that stuff in the Sarlacc pit or being as he's stranded in the desert, you know, kind of thing. He had to he had to get rid of some stuff. Maybe he had to sell some stuff to uh, survive some Jawas. He maybe came across some Jawas and he had to sell some shit for food and water. You know, No, I get it. I completely get that. And if that, like if that is it and our theories are correct here and that's just Boba in survival mode, I'm going to geek out next week and I will actually probably freak out. So I listen, if it's Boba, they better put him in his armor again. I want to see him in full kit. See, I don't want Boba. I don't want Boba to come in here and take Mando's spotlight. If he if he no, comes no, no, in, I want gets I, his armor. Him and Boba are chill, and then just Boba does his own shit and leaves. I'm I'm that's what I'm perfectly I, that's fine. That's what I want. That. Perfectly fine. Like it'd be cool. If, I would like it if Boba Fett stuck around for maybe an like episode or so, a couple episodes, yeah. maybe like an episode or two with Mandalorian and help him out with some shit. I think that'd be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind yeah. that. Um, but I think the the biggest part of this is knowing. That after all these years, that it very well alive. potentially we could be seeing the answer that the fandom has been arguing about for generations. Yeah, this isn't just a year, a couple of years. This is a generational argument. Also, listen, they're probably it's if okay. So that's definitely Boba, which it probably is. They're probably going to also explain whether or not him and his father. 
were actually Mandalorians. Yeah, if they explore that theory, that's that's going to be interesting too. And listen to all the fans out there. Listen, man. Even if your opinion's different, you can't bitch about it at this. After that, it's canon. That's that. You know. Yeah, I mean, whether they're whether they're true Mandalorians or not, because the like like they've said before or earlier in the ser- in this series, it you don't have to be from Mandalore to be a Mandalorian to be a Mandalorian. You have to follow the. It's a it's way, of, way life. of life. This is the way. It is a code. In that, it's a code. They broke that code pretty heftily. It. it Yes, they did break the code, um, but I guess it's also dependent on because it's, it's not like and there's different Mandalorian clans, and each clan has different rules. Um, I don't think we know exactly which clan they were from, so we don't know what the, those rules were for them. So maybe to majority of other clans, what they did, they did. But break let's the rules. let's but hope maybe. that they are going to explain a bit more. This series, I will say, has done a very wonderful job of explaining Mandalorian lore to where no one is in the dark. Everyone is informed about yes. everything about all things Mandalore. Granted, it's a bit streamlined, but it's streamlined in a way for everyone to understand, which is what's needed because the yeah. full Mandalorian lore is a bit confusing. So. Yeah, so they're they're probably going to explain whether or not Boba Fett and his father are in fact Mandalorian. actually Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, they're he's probably good. They're probably going to explain how Boba Fett escaped from the pit. Um, they're probably going to do that. And, and probably correct, how he's been surviving, and how he's been surviving. Uh, what he's doing uh, since the Empire's fallen. Um, it, is he still bounty hunting? Um, also, because I don't think his his armor isn't made out his, of. I don't uh, think I don't Beskar think his steel. armor is Beskar. No, I don't think it well, is. Well, it might be because Co- uh, Cody Oliphant, when he was wearing his armor, took a direct shot from a blaster and it ricocheted off perfectly, no problem. So it, it might. Well, it no, did. Django's armor was Mando's original, so it might it very well could be Beskar. He could be wearing Beskar because well, Boba, it, it just got wear and tear over the years. Because I, I thought Boba, I thought Boba Fett's armor, it wasn't Django's. No, Boba Fett's armor is Django's. Mm-hmm. Is it? I thought that was, de- I thought that was debunked at some point. I, I'm fairly certain that uh, Boba's armor is, in fact, his father's. Because it, it, it got destroyed when Django Fett tried to fight Mace Windu and fucking failed at no, that. No, it didn't get destroyed, he just got his head chopped off. That's true. So, I mean, he picked up his helmet like, oh, my father, and then just, boom, that thing, his head probably just fell out like an orange. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, okay, free Beskar armor. <laughs> but besides uh, all that, maybe, we, honestly, we can get into this for like two hours and make this nerd talk segment turn into three hours. But overall, what, like, I gotta say, just to, my ending thought on that episode to close it up, uh, that was some of the best Star Wars storytelling I have seen in a long, long time. The entire the entire series has probably been some of the best Star Wars storytelling in fucking years. Absolutely. Uh, even with the whole the the new the new yeah trilogy, I, which which I'm um, listen, 
when the prequels were out, everybody hated them. And now everyone that loves this them. new trilogy's out, everybody's now everybody's realizing, hey, the prequels, they weren't that bad. And look, this this is pretty I'll just bad. I'll put this point out here later and then we can argue about it later. I do not hate the sequels because I like Kylo Ren. I like his character, I like his arc, and I like his style, and he has probably the coolest lightsaber in all of the crews. So He's the only likable thing about the sequels. I agree. And that I will keep that and agree. And, but I, the rest of it, it's a, it's a bit poo. But Kylo's my boy. Yeah. I'll keep that. And he is my boy. And I'll keep it that way. But uh, yep. I got to say, been wonderful watching The Mandalorian. And I can't wait for more. That's all I got left to say. Oh, I'm, fucking ex- I'm fucking excited. So. I think that's going to wrap up our episode here. I say we had a wonderful time. Uh, Cameron, dude, as always, yeah. enjoy the time, my man. It was a fun time. Yeah, well, uh, yeah anytime. I, uh, hopefully we'll be back at full strength for the next episode, have all the boys together so we can have a good old-fashioned, yeah. good old-fashioned three-way, get us all back together. Oh, fuck yeah. So... Thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us for this episode of Comics and Kaijus. Hope you guys had a wonderful and safe Halloween. Hope that you're all safe and well during these very uncertain times. But I am going to be your host for today, signing off. This is Austin. Thank you, guys. And I hope we catch you next time. Yeah, yeah stay safe, people.